Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Throughout time, man has conquered many an obstacle. Coming up today at 11.30, 10 donuts, 5 minutes, and one play-by-play prodigy seeing if he can do what our fearless leader, our program director, Chad Hastings, once failed miserably to do. See if Cameron can complete the donut challenge. We're lighting it up. This is a Thursday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker behind the glass. Craig Way still vacationing. Cameron, are you ready, sir? I thought it was 10 minutes. Are we doing 10 minutes? I think it was, you said 10 minutes, 10 donuts in 10 minutes. 10 donuts in 10 minutes. Okay. And that's what we're going to do. 10 donuts. Five, I don't think I'd do 10 and 5. To be 10, 10, and, 10 and 10. What, uh, did, what did Chad do? I think that's the Joey Chestnut record is 10 and 10 and 5. Yeah, well, that's Joey uh, Chestnut. Chad, I I think Chad got to like I think he said six, but here here they are. Uh, by the I way, big shout out to to Steve over at the Shipley's Donuts on Brody. Which, by the way, you know that is the uh, the frequent morning stop of the father of one Isaiah Collier. Really, okay. CC apparently frequents the uh, Shipley's on Brody. So I will uh, take the tape off the box. There they are, Cameron. Look. With your name on them, sir. Keep them hot and fresh for me, please. Yes, they are staying in the box. Going to keep them sealed. Just wanted you to get a get a good look. I don't want there to be that shock. So I was talking to Chad about it yesterday, and you know, I was like, I was like, at what point did regret settle in when you were doing that? <laughs> he said, honestly, as a doubt crept in about right after Donut Two, doubt started to creep in, and then regret came at about five. And I'm thinking, like, by six or seven, it was just shame is all he was feeling. Mm. So those are the three phases, Cam, that once you get there, you'll know what you're dealing with. Okay. If, if you, once, you, once you feel doubt, know that uh, a couple donuts later, regret is going to come. And then if you get to shame, like around eight or nine, do you have enough in you to push over the hump? A determination, right? The will. Yep. The willpower. As, hey, my senior quote was a Michael Jordan quote that I got off of a Gatorade display. Yeah. Doesn't matter how hard you push along the way. 
It's having something inside you to finish that counts. Just think about think about the goat and take it personally, Cam. Just don't have a challenge. Oh man. Well, uh we're gonna have a, a good freaking time today here on Light the Tower. A lot of good news, Cam. And hey, you know what? I'm in such a good mood. Let's go ahead and kick this program off with a breaking news sounder. You heard it on B&E, very, very late in their show. You know, very, very late in their show yesterday, I jumped on with those guys and talked about Ethel Horton, grad transfer from UCF on campus for his official visit. Talked about, well, he's going to take a visit to Kansas. This is my understanding. There will be no visit to Kansas. Ethel Horton committed to Texas. Actually, truth be told, because I had my story raring and ready to go at Horns 24-7, I was told he actually committed to Rodney Tarrant Company last night, so it was just a matter of this going public. Uh, so Ithiel Horton is in the boat, Cam. They've got 11 scholarship players. And, you know, from the outset, when you look at what Texas – Max Aismas and Caden Shedrick were their top two priorities in the portal early on. They won, they felt like regardless of whatever the roster looked like. And, and I've said this in terms of talking to sources, and RT mentioned it on the record, that those were the two guys they wanted above anything else. And then they made a couple of evaluations for some guys that they like for now, but especially down the road in Zarek and Yemma and Kendall Weaver. You know, they they wanted a high school guy if the right guy popped up, and they waited and got that guy with Chris Johnson. But the other thing they wanted, they wanted a guard who had some size and some length, uh, and they wanted a shooter. Well, at Ethel Horton, you get all of those things. And you get a guy that's got some toughness about him, some athleticism. We we've seen him flash the ability to finish in traffic. Prolific three point shooter. Uh, and a eighty a thirty eight. I was almost at eighty seven. About thirty eight, thirty seven percent career three point shooter. But Cam, you mentioned it yesterday. This guy's over eighty percent career from the foul line. If you can just get him in situations where maybe he's attacking off the bounce a little bit more and is able to get in the flow of this Texas offense, now you're talking about a guy that along with Tyrese Hunter and along with Max Aismas. And Caden Shedrick's like a six, high 60s, low 70s percent free throw shooter. Now you're talking about a lineup that, again, you could have one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country again. Yeah, you mentioned a good point though yesterday. With that 80% free throw shooting rate, he was only averaging about one to two free throws per game. But he had a 30-point game last year where he was 8 of 18 from the floor, uh, hit five three-pointers, I believe, and he was nine from nine from the stripe. So you see that possibly as his potential of what he could do. He can have that scoring night. But also, I think the big plus for this is his six-foot-five frame, 200 pounds, mm-hmm. the wingspan. He can play defense alongside Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter. And he's going to be that Jabari Rice-type role. I mean, a lot of it was made about Rice's ability to shoot and score and the pump fake, but he played really good defense as well. Outstanding Jeff. defense, yeah. You had, and Marcus Carr, Became really as his career at Texas went on, became a, a much better on ball defender than he was when he got to Texas. You had three dogs. I mean, when those guys were locked in, you find me a better defensive backcourt in college basketball last year than Rice, Carr, and Hunter. Because Tyrese Hunter, when Tyrese Hunter's locked in, there aren't very many better on ball defenders in the country mm-hmm. than Tyrese Hunter. Uh, and that's when you think about the teams that when Rodney Terry was in his first in at Texas under Rick Barnes, you think about the better teams Rick Barnes had. They had dudes that were just straight up Dobermans on the perimeter and could really, really get up in you and get after you. You think about you know a Royal Ivy, uh, your Brandon Mouton 
was that type of guy. Uh, you know, even even go forward, you know, a Doge Balbe, a, a, a Booby Gibson could even give you some of that at times. So they obviously Avery Bradley, who's been one of the better guys guarded that position in the NBA for over a decade now. So that's the, the kind of the heart of what and when I think of Rodney Terry basketball and I think of what if you want to borrow something from Rick Barnes, I think that's the main thing he wants to borrow from Rick Barnes. Can you get and you we've heard him use this term a lot, Cam. Can guys just get down and are they willing to guard people? Are they willing to stop the ball? And when Texas was really good last year, they were able to do that. And I think they've got a really good chance to do that this year with Ethel Horton, with Tyrese Hunter with Max Asmus, and then, you know, whatever minutes Kendall Weaver or Chris Johnson are going to give, you know, Chris Johnson is a is a, is a thicker-bodied guard. I know Kendall Weaver's a, a little bit slight of frame, but, uh, you know, we saw Kendall Weaver get after it and play defense at UT Arlington last year. So really, really like this backcourt. The front court it speaks for itself with DeSue and Mitchell coming back. You add Caden Shedrick. You've got Brock Cunningham still around. Alex Enamekwe played a little bit last year, probably figures to play a little bit more this year. And then you've got Zarek Onyema, who I, I really – I've said this, Cam, when they started recruiting him. I like him for the Christian Bishop role. That role of a you know a, a six seven six eight uh, bench guy who can play uh, be a functional five for you can guard multiple positions in the front court, but a dude that's just going to give you energy. He's going to give you effort. He's going to rebound his tail end off, and he's a guy that if the opportunity presents itself, uh, you can throw him a lob. He can finish it, and he can play well around the rim. So when you look at that, the bottom line is with the addition of Horton, this staff. I think did as good a job as anybody could have expected them to do of going one for one, replacing the pieces they lost from last year. Yeah. Especially after losing AJ Johnson and Ron Holland to the G league and the NBL, you had no one signed to your class for a moment. He lost a few transfers. You're losing Marcus Carr. who was a big part of the team. Jabari Rice and go on and on the way Artina's staff have rebuilt, not just on the coaching staff as well, with Frank Haith. Frank Haith, I think, was a big part in this recruitment as well. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you probably know more about that than me, but Frank Haith, is, he's coached against uh, this kid as well. Ethel That's Horton. the thing, yeah. Co- Coach Haith saw him last year. He, yeah. he spent, uh, he was last year, he was Penny Hardaway's top assistant in Memphis, and those two teams see each other in the in the American. So, yeah, he, he got a front row seat. And that's, that's typically how a lot of these transfers tend to happen. Um, you know, you look at where guys have coached, and look at what they're who they're familiar with, what teams they're familiar with, and uh, you know it, it can happen by chance. It can happen with the familiarity. Uh, obviously, RT had coached against Jabari Rice, and mm-hmm. you know, when RT was at UTEP and Jabari was in New Mexico State, uh, we mentioned the the tie there with Frank Haith and Ithiel Horton with Memphis and UCF. It could be too. Uh, you know, Rodney Terry RT told the story uh, a while back after Kendall Weaver signed. They. Happened to be, you know, they were recruiting Ron Holland and, and a couple of guys. Alex Anamekwe is a guy that had just gotten out of his LOI from SMU, I think, or was about to. And uh, Jacoby Walter was at, was still at McKinney at the time. So they were at the state basketball tournament watching guys. And they really liked Kendall Weaver at that time out of Mansfield Timberview. And the conversation was, we really like him, but we just don't have room to take a developmental guard this year. They just did. They were just going to be out of roster spots. But. You know, lo and behold, he enters the portal, and it ends up being a fit for Texas. So it just goes to show you, if you really get out and get boots on the ground on the recruiting trail or you're really doing your homework, uh, if you're doing advanced scout for for a coaching staff, you never know what's going to pop up in the portal. So good stuff there with Texas getting getting Ethel Horton. I looked it up, Cam, and I've got it in front of me now uh, after fumbling through various pages and whatnot, trying to get this, these tabs open on my laptop. 
Do you realize Caden Shedrick last year? And and I mentioned the free throw shooting because for years, man, especially under under Rick Barnes and under Shaka, man, free throw shooting down the stretch of games could have been a problem. And really, correct me if I'm wrong, Cam, the only time I really remember it biting Texas was that loss to Illinois at MSG early in the Mm -hmm. year. That was tough. I don't remember free throw shooting being a major issue. Free throw rate at times became an issue, just free throw disparity. But I don't remember free throws being an issue because that was a really good free throw shooting team. Caden Shedrick last year at Virginia shot a little over 79% from the foul line. For his career, he's a little over 74. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen Dylan DeSue be able to stretch the floor. As as a matter of fact, let me look up. Really, uh, other than, I mean, Dylan Mitchell, who didn't shoot it well from the free throw line last year, this should be a really good free throw shooting season. 75% last year, Jeff. Uh, DeSue was at 77. I'm showing him at 77.8 based on what I'm looking at. Uh, 81.3. His first year yeah. at Texas. As a team, 75%. Okay, thank you. Uh, and Dylan DeSue for his career, even going back to his time at Vanderbilt, uh, a little over 71%. So other than Dylan Mitchell, you should be able to put really good free throw shooters damn near at every position on the floor. Because we know Tyrese Hunter and Max Aceman, that's not a problem for either of those guys. Looking at how this roster is constructed, it's not super big, but it's Guys who definitely aren't small, but also the athletic wing types. I mean, looking at Ithiel Horton, he's six foot four, six five. Kendall Weaver, six three. Jeff Chris Johnson, the true freshman coming in, he's six four. Then Mitchell, six eight. The Sioux, six nine. Anyema, six eight. Shedrick, six eleven. It's a pretty versatile team mm-hmm. that thinks going to set up defensively well for RT because it looks like pretty much everyone in this team can switch now. The other part of it is that Tyrese Hunter, and Max Aceman are a little bit smaller, six foot for guards, but I think defensively. It stacks up really well for RT and his staff. Yeah, like we said, when Tyrese Hunter's locked in, and, and go, like go back, uh, you know, go back and, and look at the job Tyrese did on Pickett with Penn State in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Pickett had what? I think he scored in double figures, but what was he shooting? Cam something like three for thirteen yeah. or four, four for fourteen. I don't have that box score in front of me, but that was and that's what I asked RT after the game about Tyrese, and he said when Tyrese is that's where I get that from. It's straight from RT. He said when Tyrese is locked in, and when he really gets down and defend, there there are very few better. There said there might not be a better on ball defender in the country. My only than con- Tyrese only concern is where does the scoring come from. Because Max Aismas is the leading returner scorer, or not even leading, just the highest scoring last year, 21 points. But besides that, Jeff, Tyrus Hunter at 10 points, Ethel Horton at 12, but everyone else is under 10 points. Are you worried about the scoring at all? No, no, because you figure Horton's going to get his chance as opportunities to score. Hunt, Hunt, you know, Tyrese, we saw it a little bit last year. Uh, and, and one of the things that I heard that they wanted to do, and with Aismas, you can certainly do this. And by the way, we got a text on the Specs text line, 337-3776. It said, honest question, why does everybody pronounce Max Aismas as Aismas? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. It looks like it's Aismas, but it's Aismas. That's how it's pronounced. Um, yeah, don't ask. Yeah, just, I, ask. I'm just, just, I, just, I just read the pronunciation guide and go. That's one thing I learned from Craig. Just Of all the things I learned from Craig, that's the one thing I've taken, but... Just read the pronunciation guide and go, and know what you're know what you're going to say before you get on the air too. I've made some of those boo boos before. At any rate, uh, we know we know a, a lot of it's going to go through Aceus, but look at the way the the offense went through Desue at the end of last year before he got hurt in the Penn State game and played one was it like one minute in the Xavier game and didn't play against Miami. Uh, you know, we've seen Tyrese. We've seen Tyrese have you know fifteen point, twenty point, twenty five point games before. Uh, Horton certainly is capable of scoring. You know, we've seen him in the ACC have 
twenty point games. As a matter of fact, I looked at a I don't remember if it was a YouTube clip or a or a Twitter cut up, uh, but I was looking at him yesterday. He had a twenty five point game against Florida State last year. Now, granted, the Florida State program is not what it was a couple of years ago, but still, you go on the road in the ACC and, and score twenty five points, you're capable of putting up points. Uh, you know, Dylan Mitchell's. I think if I'm concerned about anything, Cam, and then we know Caden Shedrick just getting out of that just slower and smoke off you know what Virginia pace that Virginia operates out of I think that'll open up and unlock his game a little bit more the only thing I'm if I'm concerned about anything with this team it's how much and how much how far can Dylan Mitchell advance his game in one offseason and how how does that evolve throughout the course of the season because that's really you know that th- technically that three spot that you talk about it becomes less of a concern adding Horton knowing that you can play three guards and have three really good guards on the court. But what you get out of Dylan Mitchell, to me, is going to determine the ceiling of this team offensively. And how does RT use him? Because he was used primarily as a as a five last year, but then the summer workout videos drop of him draining threes. Now, of course, you put anyone in an open gym who's a good enough basketball player, they're going to hit threes. Doesn't mean he's going to be Larry Bird now, but do you think RT and his staff are going to open up, maybe try and open up his offensive game a little bit more than just have him be a rim runner? I, I think they want to, yeah. And that, to me, of what I was told is that was the the message that got back to Dylan and his people on, hey, if you came back, if he came back to Texas, what does he need to do to factor into the offense more? And the message from what I was told was that he just needs to get better yeah. at everything offensively. So I'm not expecting him to be a guy that takes six, seven threes a game. But, you know, hey, maybe – and he's not going to be the kind of mid-range beast that Timmy Allen was. Like I said, analytics, the analytics probably hate Timmy Allen because he takes just a lot of mid-range jumpers and stuff that the analytics community frowns upon that doesn't translate really well to, quote-unquote, how basketball is played today. But if Dylan Mitchell can get to the point where you can rely on him to stretch the floor a little bit and, like, knock down a little elbow jumper two, three times a game, then I, that, to me, will be expanding his game enough to help you Will it be enough to help him in the eyes of the NBA scouts? I don't know, but he doesn't need to be a guy that takes six, seven threes a game. And congrats to Jabari Rice on signing a two-way contract. Heck yeah, Spurs. man. You know you're in a good spot when you sign your deal and you're not you're not in the first leg of the summer league with your team. Like I, I've I've I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. Like I'm going to plead guilty and I've thrown myself at the mercy of the court. The NBA's got that California Classic right now going on in Sacramento. I've watched like four or five of those it's, games. It's great <laughs> stuff, dude. I love watching. Yesterday, yeah, yeah. Brandon Miller, I love watching because Kai Jones was playing for the Hornets, by the way. Yeah. And yeah, Kai Jones has been playing. What's uh, up with Kai's hair, too? Like it's like blue. Yeah, he he kind of dyed it blue like, when he when he first was drafted. He he dyed it blue because he was playing for the Greensboro Swarm. It's like he, he couldn't decide whether he wanted green. it teal or purple, and it just ended up kind of this bluish swirl on top of his head. But I digress. It's better than the uh, Jeremy Sohan. Uh, dyed blonde, in my opinion, but you're not you're not digging that. You're not digging the the Wesley Snipes demolition man. Not nah, not really. But summer league, it, it's been great. Uh, I love Brandon Miller not playing well because all my Hornets friends are who wanted Scoot are just having mental breakdowns. Even though it's early, it's summer league. It's two games in. His career will not be decided by going two for four in a summer league game. Dude, but, if you got peeps that are losing their mind over summer league, you might need to tell them to reevaluate some things in their life. Oh well, I mean you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, so you got to reevaluate a lot going into that. No, no longer soon to officially no longer be owned by the goat. Yeah, although he's still making draft decisions. 
<laughs> hey, I'm selling the team, but by the way, yeah, let's take this guy at number three. No, Police Chief Cantu, you have not missed the uh, the donut eating challenge. Cameron's going to do that. Can he do ten? Don't that's a donut a minute, dude. That's so it is five minutes. What? I guess it is five minutes. Is it five minutes? Yeah. I asked Chad. Chad said five minutes. Okay. I thought you said ten and ten, so it's ten and five. We'll just see how far. So I, I got to mentally just you know re rack here. That's yeah. that's fine. You 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 do you do what you want. Cam, actually, question for you on the Specs text line. By the way, enjoy this, Cam, because we we have nothing else really to talk about except the NBA Summer League, and it's not even really the, officially the start of the Summer League yet. No, not really either. Cam, have you have you seen how Chet Holmgren is playing? Looks yes. good for our Thunder. Seven blocks in two games. That's what I'm talking about, baby. That's what I'm talking about. As long as Chet has two two good legs, and as long as he didn't inherit yep. like Bill Walton's feet or you know, yep. Sam Bowie's shins, then then I think he he's got a chance to to be all right at the end of the day. The same way with Webin Yama. It's like if he can stay healthy, he's gonna be he's gonna be a shot blocking menace. It's just can he stay healthy, and how does his offensive game evolve in the NBA? We got yeah, we got to mention the Webin Yama thing and inconceivable because I, I saw that on the way in. Britney Spears. I had to double take. Yes, yeah, so we'll we'll break that down in inconceivable. Also, I've got another one for inconceivable that that we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, that, that, so. We got Inconceivable to close out hour number one. Longhorn Notebook coming up next. At the top of hour two, we'll do our Longhorn Notebook and our Flex update in the first segment of hour number two because at the bottom of hour two, Cameron's going to do the donut challenge. We'll so see. We want to do like 10.45, 11.45, excuse me? We'll do, a, we'll do right about 11, I'd say probably between 11.30 and 11.35. Okay. Because I want, I want to. We need some some post challenge reaction from you before okay. we get out of here. We can't just can't just leave. Can't just get off the air. Um, and again, shout out to uh, shout out to Steve and the folks at the Shipley's Donuts on yeah. Brody. They brought yeah. a they brought a box, so there's a box out in the hallway for the staff. And this box right here has Cameron Parker's name written all over it. And again, Cameron, I told you whatever beverage you want to use to to wash it down, you just want straight up water. You need some hot water with lemon, coffee, I, whatever you want. I, it doesn't matter to me. So I watched the tape last night of chat. You know, just trying to learn Cam, what, what can I do breaking better. down the film. Sounds like it sounds like warm coffee is the move. So we'll see. I'll probably at like eleven go into the Keurig machine, pop in uh, some dark roast medium coffee, whatever. There you go. Uh, and real quick on the Specs text line, Texture says, "Why hasn't Wimby played summer league yet? He's not doing the California Classic. The Spurs don't want him on the floor until the Vegas, the actual Vegas summer yeah. league starts. They're going to limit as they're going to limit him pretty much this entire summer. Yes." Uh, and he's not doing the the FIBA is it no. the FIBA World yeah. Cup. He wanted to play in it, but they yeah. told him, "Yeah, let's just save your body. Let's get you ready for the regular season." Man, if I'm any, if I'm because I know those guys love playing for their home countries, but like if I'm the Bucks, I'm telling Giannis, especially Giannis post knee cleanup, like dude, yeah. don't push it and try to play for Greece in the World Cup. If I'm if I'm the Mavericks, I'm gonna tell Luca, like dude. You you're getting some some treads coming off the tires a little bit. Don't you don't need to be playing in in the the World Cup. See, I don't I I agree with you on Giannis, but for Luca, his biggest issue is always being in basketball shape. I'm fine with him playing the summer league because that means he's going to be working out consistently and he's going to be in better shape going into the season. Because honestly, Jeff, I like the moves the Mavs have made. You traded for Grant Williams yesterday. Now you gave him that fifty four million dollar fully guaranteed deal. You still might work out. Uh, Matisse Thibel trade through the mid level exception, which would be a good move. Don't I mean the Kyrie contract is Kyrie? I mean, you know, Mark Cuban could send out a tweet and Kyrie could, you know, want to leave the team. But overall, I think the team has gotten better. Yeah, where it was. I was kind of sad to see Reggie. I was kind of sad to see Reggie. Not kind of. I am sad to see Reggie Bullock go. 
Yeah. Just look at that team that went to the Western Conference Finals. Reggie Bullock had some really good moments in the playoffs two years ago. So a little sad to see the former Tar Heel go, but such is life in the association. All right, let's get off of the NBA. We talked plenty of basketball this first segment. Ethiel Horton of Texas. Uh, if you missed any of that, get over to Horns 24-7. I've got a write-up on that. Uh, also talking – yeah, talking to NBA Summer League, I'm, and I'm not ashamed of myself to do it. It might sound like you, know, you guys are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, what else we got to talk about other than NBA Summer League? Uh, but we'll talk Texas football 58 days away from kickoff, Cameron Parker. And in the Insider at Horns 24-7 this week, it is loaded with some good nuggets on what's going down on the 40 acres. And we'll talk about that preseason All-Big 12 team that dropped yesterday. We'll do that when we come back on Light the Tower, on the Horn, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. So that's why I call my friend Rod Babers a renaissance man, because not only can Rod break down film like few can, not only can Rod talk about college football or the NFL, go through a number of topics, Rod's a renaissance man because he can let me know at the drop of a hat, Joey Chestnut's record for most donuts consumed in a certain amount of time. 55 and 8 minutes, Cam. That's harder than the the 60-some-odd or whatever his hot dog record is. Did you watch it yesterday or Monday? When, yeah, Monday. What day is it? Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know. What no, trust me. I, I kept all day yesterday. I kept thinking it was Monday because I kept telling people. I kept telling people later in the week. Yeah, that's going to happen later in the week. Later in the week. And then yesterday, I mentioned. Oh yeah, that'll happen later in the week. And my wife was like, Yeah, it's already. Yeah, it's, it's already happened, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's Thursday. I'm like. Oh, crap. I kept thinking today. Like, the holiday on Tuesday just completely messed me up. And then off, us being off the air on Monday. Yeah. Just, yeah it's, thrown, it's thrown my my system out of whack, my routine out of whack. But. Not complaining. It was a great uh, little vacay. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm on a different universe today. You might need a vacation after what we're going to do at 1130. Or so. stomach pump. One or, one or the we'll other. See. I mean, just just do it like a champ, Cam, Whatever, however it's going to go. And, actually, we might need somebody to be behind the booth and you to come in here because – we don't need glaze all over. Yeah, the, technically, you know. I'm not allowed to eat in the studio, even though I do it every day. Shout yeah. out Defcon Dave. <laughs> but yeah, probably for just because if, if he walks by and sees me just hammering donuts over the uh, the soundboard, you, you the viewers might hear some language, and then like I'm not going to be able to press the dump button because I got donut in my hand, coffee in my right hand. So probably well, better if we go in the, in the studio, right? Right. Well, let's not pound donuts. Let's uh, let's pound some football news notes and nuggets, and let's do that right now in this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Don't forget, we've also got a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine to give away. We will give that away in hour number two. So no DCTF giveaway in hour number one. We will do it in hour number two. Cam, let's talk about the uh, all preseason All-Big 12 team that was released yesterday. Five Longhorns selected for the team. That's the most of anybody in the conference. And Jalen Ford is your preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think, Cam, there's anything that, from the Texas standpoint, should have shocked you. But give me your some of your initial thoughts on the preseason All-Big 12 team and how the Longhorns stack up. Well, first off, how do you, how do, how do you guys decide the newcomer of the year? Because I saw Treshawn Ward, and no offense to Treshawn. I'm sure he's a great kid, great player, but... He's the newcomer of the year. Uh, don't say you guys because I for the umpteenth okay, so year you, in a row, I was vote? I was not given a ballot. I was not allowed mm, to vote. Well, that needs to be changed. I think I've just made too much noise about the Big Twelve being antiquated. I'm like, why do you guys still put a fullback on here? Like, 
I love. Oh my God, they do. Alex Delatore and Andrew Beck. But I'm like, come on, just just get with the times. Is that um, just so like Iowa State and K State for sure have someone on the preseason All Big Twelve team? I don't know, man, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of wheels off the way the Big Twelve does it. So I don't know. I think it's maybe a, a spread the wealth kind of thing, but you you can, to my knowledge. You can use transfers because I want to say in 2019, Jalen Hurts was the preseason newcomer of the year, and I've seen—I know I've seen transfers mm-hmm. be up for that award before. So and he, he's a—he's a transfer. Ward's from Florida State. Yeah, but I'm just curious. I feel like I don't know. I feel like Jalen Catalan's because I saw, that and I saw some Twitter was, buzz like, how does Ad Mitchell not get? Well, Ad Mitchell might have got some votes, but I don't know. There's—it's—it's it's more of. Uh, the the Big Twelve ballot is something that I think legacy media probably takes a little more seriously than folks like me who are in the internet realm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'll be honest, man. There's still some people in legacy media that kind of I think look down their nose upon folks in the, that are doing this in the uh, in the online realm. I'm not a not a real newsman. Okay, some people might is say beef, is there gonna be beef next week. Oh, no beef. Just to separate I mean, you from Barry Trammell. <laughs> No, and you know, even Texas, even OU going to the SEC with Texas, we never. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of Barry Trammell. Just like I'm sure there are OU fans that probably thought, "Man, are we done? Are we done with Kirk Bowles?" No, nope, Kirk's going to the SEC with Texas. So you're you're stuck with you're stuck with the Austin media contingent as we stand. Uh, but five five make the list, Cam. And honestly, the only thing I have a complaint with, I don't, I don't really have a complaint with newcomer of the year. So whatever. The only thing I take issue with is how much more does Jade Barron have to do you. to get Thank some you. respect either from the coaches or the media, the coaches that coach in this league or the media that covers this league? Like, How much more does he need to do? Because there's some good defense. You, you, you have the list in front of you, Cam. I do. Run me down the defensive backs that made it. Senior TJ Tampa from Iowa State. Okay. Junior Kobe Bryant from Kansas, spelled with a C. Which I think he might have led the Big 12 in picks last year. Kobe Savage with a K from Kansas State, the senior. That's fine. Kendall Daniels, the sophomore from Oklahoma State. So I think he was Big 12 freshman of the year last year. Those are, those are good defensive And backs. then senior Josh Newton from TCU. Okay. Josh Newton was really good for TCU last year. They're all good, but... Playing opposite of Hodges Tomlinson. He was really good. But you can't tell me there are definitely five defensive backs in this league better than Jaday Barron. Yeah. Like, Jaday Barron, Jaday Barron to me is like... He's going through the same thing Aaron Williams did. Like, I never understood why Aaron Williams was constantly snubbed by the league when it came to preseason, postseason, whatever. Like, I don't, after the 09 season, Aaron Williams had a phenomenal year in 09. And maybe it's because, like, well, we already got, you know, Earl Thomas on this list and you're going to put maybe Curtis Brown on there. Yeah, we, we don't want to just load it with Texas defensive backs. Like, I don't think Aaron Williams even got an honorable mention in 2009. Mm. And I'm like, the, the dude was one of the best defensive players, period. In the conference, if you just look at what he did on a game-to-game basis, and you're telling me he's not one of the best 15 or so defensive backs in this league, uh, that blew my mind. And so uh, I'm I'm just puzzled with Jade Barron's omission. No one on this list was unanimously voted on except for Xavier Worthy. If I'm, if I'm reading that correct, there was only one player on the Big 12 All Preseason team that was a unanimous selection. It was Xavier Worthy. Who, who are your other? Who are the other wide receivers? Jaron Bradley from Texas Tech, the sophomore, 
And then Brendan Presley, Presley, senior from Oklahoma State. So, I guess maybe it's a down year for receiver. Down by Big Big 12 12 standards. I mean, when you consider... Last year was Quentin Johnson. When you consider, like, in 2018, like, Colin Johnson didn't even get a sniff at first or second team all Big 12 with the kind of year he had. Disgraceful. I think it was L.J. Humphrey, like, second team that year, Mm -hmm. maybe. Like, that that 18 year was was loaded. You had Hollywood Brown, and and that, that league was just insane that year. Hakeem Butler... At Iowa State, if I remember right, was that maybe Denzel Mims' breakout season at Baylor? Um, you had some really good wide receivers in the league that year. But yeah, by Big 12 standards, I think it's down. But still, five overall. You know what that tells me, How Jeff? would Jatavian Sanders not a not a unanimous selection at tight end? Who would be the other option? Stockner coming back to Oklahoma? Based on what? What he did like three years ago? Mm-hmm. I mean... I Okay. I know I'm sounding like a Texas homer, but, dude, you're, you want to tell me there's a tight end in this conference better than J.T. Sanders? Yeah, I don't think so, considering that Sanders might be a first-round draft pick. That's why it's weird It's weird for me to argue some of this stuff, because in years past, I would have argued it or was kind of stumped for one of the Texas guys, and it would have been like, well, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, but do I really believe it? And now I'm saying it, and like, no, like I'm, I'm dead serious. Like this is, I don't understand how you can continue to omit Jade Barron and why how J T Sanders. I know I'm nitpicking with the Sanders not being a unanimous selection thing, but there's somebody that covers this league. I want to, I want to meet the guy. I really want to meet the guy or gal next week who voted in this poll, who thinks there's a better tight end in the Big Twelve than J T Sanders, and I want them to point that player out to me, and we'll have a little debate on. How good JT Sanders is. As somebody mentioned, Kelvin Banks, not a unanimous selection. Yeah, that offensive tackle. I would have chosen, I would have thought Banks would have been unanimous over Worthy. But now looking at the receiver room, it makes sense. I mean, looking at last year's tight ends from the Big 12, Jeff, you know who had the highest amount of receiving yards and receptions out of tight end? JT Sanders. Next one was Brayton Willis out of OU. And is he returning? Because I don't know. But he, I mean, he had almost, he had. 16 less receptions than J.T. Sanders, over 100 yards less, and not even close. I mean, he had, he had two more touchdowns, but even then, I mean, come on. Uh, no, Braden Willis is in the NFL now. Okay, then. Maybe Mason Fairchild from Kansas. I could see I could see some Kansas people voting for him. Is Blake Sims back at Baylor? Blake Bell, maybe. The, not the Bell dozer. <laughs> Come on, Cam. Oh, you know who we're missing? Jared Wiley. That's, okay. that's got to be it, right? Yeah, but are you really, you really going to sit there and tell me that? Yeah, I mean, now we're just nitpicking. Yeah. And Specs text line, Sogner is back at Oklahoma, right? He came back. Sogner came back, yeah. He went to, he went to South Carolina for um, uh, Spencer Rattler. Now he's back at OU. Uh, ben Sims from Baylor. Ben Sims is actually in the league. Signed yeah. with the Vikings after the draft as an, as an undrafted free agent. All right, maybe I could see somebody voting for Jared Wiley, but if you're going to say Wiley's better than Sanders, you better. If you're working for a TCU media outlet, you cover TCU, maybe I can see you doing that. But if not, if you're just if you got no dog in the fight saying Wiley's better than Sanders, I can't I can't get with that. And as a, a text from the Specs line, Specs text line pointed out, how is Jalen Ford the defensive <laughs> player of the year, and Jalen Daniels the offensive player of the year, yet neither one are unanimous. I don't know, man. I this is why I don't get into this stuff, Jeff. Because it's yeah. just it'll make you go crazy. Like if you ask, like even the specs text line, I saw the Chris Bennett, of course. Like, hey, can you name the offensive player of the year 
defensive player of the year, newcomer of the year, going into the preseason last like 10, 15 years. I mean, you could probably get a couple guesses like Jalen yeah. Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker. I'm guessing Vince Young was that guy. When he Sam Ellinger, maybe. Besides that, you know, no one remembers. And, you know, if you ask these guys, I'm sure, like, yeah, it's an honor, but at the same time, it's like, hey, we want to actually win. We yeah. want to win. And what this list tells me, Jeff, with Texas having the most selections, like, it's it's more it's more evidence that Texas needs to be the best team in this league this year. Yeah, I think the thing that I like the most is you talk about that spine of the defense, the central nervous system of the defense, to, to, borrow, to borrow Rod's term. The fact that the, you know, the media that covers this league thinks that highly. I mean, obviously Jalen Ford was a shoe in, but they think that highly of Byron Murphy to make him a preseason All Big Twelve selection. Yeah. We know, like we know, uh, everybody that follows the team, like we know how good Byron Murphy is, and it's probably just a matter of it, the more snaps he gets, the the more his production is going to go up because on a snap to snap basis, the last two years, I don't think there was a better defensive tackle that Texas had. Like, you go look at the Pro Football Focus numbers; it's a snap by snap, uh, you know, basis on how they do things. Byron Murphy has been really good this first two years on campus. But we know Texas is deep at defensive tackle. Coming up next hour, and again, we'll do the Longhorn Notebook in the top of hour number two. We'll look at some notes in the insider. Texas is all of a sudden deep at linebacker, so maybe Jalen Ford. Uh, or there's, a, there's a hope, I should say. There's an expectation that Texas will be deeper at linebacker. So maybe you can have some guys take a little bit of pressure off of Jalen Ford, even with DeMarvin Overshone moving on. Those two... Those there was such good synergy between those two by the end of the year in the middle of that Texas defense. I remember in the Kansas game when Jalen Ford got that pick uh, late in the first half. They had worked on that in practice, and it was it wasn't anything that they called specifically, but they knew based on the formation Kansas was in and the play design. Hey, if the quarterback breaks contain, then Demarvion was going to take the quarterback, and Jalen Ford would drop into the area that Overshone was vacating. That's exactly what happened, and Jalen Ford gets a pick. They didn't even have to. They didn't have to, you know, call it out or remind each other. They just knew that's what they were supposed to do, and that's how Jalen Ford got that interception in the KU game. So there was really good synergy there. But there's a lot of talent in that Texas linebacker room. And then we talk about safety. You know, Jalen Catalan. I've called him kind of the X factor defensively because if he's healthy, if he's right. You've got an all-American caliber talent on the back end, and then you, with the spring Keaton Crawford had, with the strides Jaron Thompson made, rebounding from a, a down sophomore year compared to what we expected, to having a pretty solid year last year, and then depending on what you get from some of those kids, a Larry Turner Gooden, a B.J. Allen, uh, maybe, maybe Derek Williams is ready for snaps. Uh, we'll see how all that works out, but up the middle of the defense. And you can even put Barron in there, too, as close as the nickel plays to the line of scrimmage at times, just how versatile you've got to be. I really like the spine of this defense, Cam. I think that's where you look in the strength of this Texas defense. It's going to be, I know there's concerns about edges, and I've talked about the importance of Terrence Brooks at that field corner, but up the middle of this defense, it's it's got a chance to be really good again. And there's some points from the insider this morning that Chip Brown dropped. I'm guessing we're going to get to an hour number two. Yeah. Because there's some great stuff on Jalen Ford in there that I would love to go over with you. Yep, we'll, we'll get to that in hour number two. As a matter of fact, right now we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back inconceivable. We'll close out hour number one here on Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think I miss what you think it means. Inconceivable means Cameron Parker has something to delight us with. As and he it's, stands it's not the donuts yet. Roughly, donuts what yet. are we looking at, Cam? 35, 40 minutes something away like from that. the donut apocalypse. I'm a little nervous, to be honest. 
It'll be fine. We'll see. We got plenty of trash cans in here if you need to need to talk, toss them donuts. Speaking of trash cans, I think Tiger Woods uh, wanted to hurl into a trash can after last week. So let's back up a little bit here, Jeff. You know, you have the PJ Tour, Live Golf, the Saudi Public Investment Fund all joining forces, right? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, before there was a lawsuit, which meant that PJ Tour and their communication staff was subpoenaed, including a lot of documents from last year. So now last year, about a year ago, the 2022 Travelers Championship, Jay Monahan was going to meet with the players to discuss the ongoing battle between the PJ Tour and Live Golf. Now at this event, Jeff, Jay Monahan wanted Tiger Woods to speak at it. And this meant that Monahan and the PJ Tour drafted a script, a script for Tiger Woods to use when talking to the players to try and get them on board against Lip. Now, this has the script obtained here in court. Oh, it leaked, huh? It leaked. Basically, it has everything down to a T, all the way down to Tiger Woods using the F-bomb in his own little way. Now, the script here, it says he walks in. Thanks, Jay. Uh turns to the cameras in the back says hey can we cut the cameras off that's scripted in there including oh no and then a lot of other tidbits about hey let me start by saying our captain who is jay monahan the commissioner of the pj tour is working his butt off he's the right guy he's a fighter he's protecting you from the worst of it stay away from live and at the very end of it um it has tiger saying to the players the guys first do what i did tell the, the saudis to go F themselves. So this whole script comes out. Well, <laughs> Tiger Woods <laughs> saw it. He tweets out on, this is July 2nd, he tweets out in response to the Talking Points memo released this weekend, I have never seen this document until today, and I did not attend the players' meeting for which it was prepared for at the 2022 Travelers Championship. Yikes. Meanwhile, Jay Monahan, the commissioner, Jeff, he, the week of the U.S. Open, which was the same week that this whole um, merger, right. quote, unquote, came together, he was in the hospital. And we have not heard an update yet for about three weeks. We don't know if he's doing good or bad. PJ Tour players don't even know. So this might be like, you know, they're kind of like, you know, kind of like slowly pushing him away from the public image. But this drops, you got Tiger Woods going on the offensive against the PJ so Tour. So Tiger's saying he wasn't even there. No, he wasn't there. But we, like we know the, for the, sure he wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The plan was to bring him there, okay. And they had a script for him, but it never worked out. But of course, it's a public document. So when the PJ Tour was subpoenaed by the U.S. court, whatever, it came to public light and was eventually leaked. But it's still, it's not a great look. No. And you know how much that's going to piss off Tiger Woods being told what to say, dude. <sighs> yeah. Jay Monahan's gonna. I'm just wondering what the dollar figure is with the golden parachute he's gonna get. Well, I'm curious if like if like I I hope he's okay, but it's kind of weird when the commissioner of your association, league, whatever, is missing for three weeks of an undisclosed medical condition, and there's no updates. There's no updates. You, you, like if Roger Goodell was in the hospital, Jeff, you think there'd be updates every day, right? I mean, we'd be hearing from probably Shams tweeting about, hey, yeah. So what's going on. Same thing for Adam Silver, even Bug Selig, uh, Gary Bennett. But nothing. We have no idea what's going on with Jay Monahan, if he's okay, if he's fit to continue to serve. Like, uh, it kind of sounds like they're 
transitioning away from Jay Monahan? Because I know the players don't want him to be commissioner again after he pulled this one behind him. But either way, it's very inconceivable. That is very true. Speaking of inconceivable, Cam, are you on? Uh, you signed up for Threads? I yeah. did. Did you? you? Did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you followed me yet? Uh, I haven't followed anybody yet. I just, I just got, I just accepted the invite. Didn't even set up my profile yet. Okay. I just figured out how to do it. Hey, go to Instagram and do this, this, and this. So I haven't set it up yet. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. I'll, yeah. I'll set up my, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time setting it up. But. CB wanted to know if we were going to go live on Threads for the donut eating contest. No, nope, no, nope, I don't think we have that capability in the studio. We we'll have to settle for Twitch. We are yeah. live on Twitch right now, right? Yeah, we are. There's the Gone Fishing sign over Craig Way's uh, camera, which is where I'm guessing I'll be sitting at. So Yes, that's where you will be. So uh, it's not Craig Way eating the donuts for those who will eventually be watching. No, it'll be it'll be Cam. Um, you want to unpack the uh, Victor Wimbanyama Britney yes, Spears? Yes, I, I have not read about it, so please enlighten All right, me. So I've, I found this. This CB actually, I think, sent me this this morning. Yeah. And at first, I was like, it's kind of like when you read the headline, you don't really, you don't read it, read it, because I was, full don't disclosure, I was it. driving. I just saw Britney Spears spacked in the face by Victor Wimbanyama. I'm like, the hell, like, Victor Wimbanyama just taught off and smacked Britney Spears in the face? No, uh, she was smacked by San Antonio Spurs security because she wanted a picture with Victor Wimbanyama. This, according to TMZ, Britney Spears was allegedly assaulted Wednesday night in Vegas after a member of NBA phenom Victor Wimbanyama's security backhanded her in the face. Oh, my goodness. And she has filed a police report. The incident went down at Catch Restaurant in the a- in the ARIA area. I don't know if I'm saying that. Area? Right. Hotel around 8.30 p.m. Brittany, along with her husband and two others, went to the restaurant for dinner. She was swarmed by fans as she entered the casino. Brittany and company walked over to Catch, uh, and as they were entering the restaurant, Brittany spotted Victor. We're told she's a fan and went over. Like, Britney Spears is a huge Victor Wimbanyama fan. Like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, went over to him, asked if they could take a photo together. She tapped him on his back, right shoulder, and we're told director of team security for the San Antonio Spurs, team that drafted Victor last month, instantly backhanded her, causing her to fall to the ground, knocking her glasses off. Oh, my That goodness. is terrible. Do you talk about taking your your job? Like I always accuse the uh, the Redcoats at the Irwin Center back in the day of just being overzealous and taking their job way too seriously. Like, hey, they asked you to sit down. You need to not cheer this time. Thank goodness we don't have that at Moody Center. <laughs> but but dude, you're gonna back. I don't care if it's Britney Spears or like you know whoever backhand anybody, let alone a woman, is there's no excuse for that. Well, at least you know they're taking their job seriously. Uh, Brittany composed herself and went to her table. We're told the security guy came over to the table and apologized. He said, quote, you understand how it is when you're being swarmed by fans. He apologized and Brittany accepted it. By the way, we're told he also said when she when he slapped her, he didn't know who she was like that makes it any better. Like that excuses it. I hope this dude is no longer employed by the really? San Antonio Spurs. Really? Yeah. Dude, you hit a woman in the face. In the face, Cam. Knocked her glasses off her face. I got no respect for that. And, you know, oh, gosh, just makes my blood boil. Law enforcement sources tell TMZ the man listed on the police report 
as the one who slapped Britney Spears is Damian Smith. Again, he's director of team security for the Spurs. Our sources say it is not being handled as a criminal matter because cops determined Smith was not trying to hurt Britney, but rather defend Victor Wimbanyama. I'm I'm with the bodyguard. I'm sorry. He's the most he's the most precious asset on the planet right now for the Spurs fans. Also, apparently, I just found out that Rob Manfred's the MLB commissioner. So thanks to you guys for reminding me. Did you not know who the MLB commissioner? I think I did. Just tells me how much I don't pay attention to MLB commissioners. <laughs> All right, real quick. Uh, a New Jersey judge used an alias to post TikTok videos, lip-syncing rap and pop songs with controversial lyrics, and did so at times while wearing judicial robes and in the courthouse. This according to a judicial conduct complaint. Superior Court Judge Gary N. Wilcox, 58, posted about 40 videos under the name Sal Tortorella from April 11, 2021 to March 4th. Uh, of, I guess of this year, according to the complaint from the Supreme Court of New Jersey Advisory Committee on Judicial Conduct, that's a mouthful, uh, that was filed last Friday. Wilcox posts were public and not in a private setting. The complaint said the posts undermine public confidence in the judiciary and in the, I'm assuming that's supposed to say judiciary system, uh, and violated judicial rules. The complaint also said that many of the videos included references to violence, sex, misogyny, and that one post included the judge... Quote, partially dressed while laying in bed. Oh, my God. If you're going to do stuff on social media, just don't. Don't don't out. Don't out yourself. Don't make it obvious. Be a little more, a little more incognito. Speaking of incognito, there will be nothing incognito about a half hour from now. When Cameron tries to devour 10 donuts in five minutes. It's coming up in hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital. On the Horn app, head to hornfm.com.